Lord God, we thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And in you is all, everything that we could ever need, desire or want. Your word says you do beyond what we could ever imagine or conceive. And God, we just open this space to you right now, that you would speak, that you would bring clarity, that you would bring insight to our lives about your calling upon our life. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to continue to explore this idea of spiritual practices. And uh, before we get into today's spiritual practice, I just want to remind us of the reason why spiritual practices exist. I think it's good to recap and to remember that God has given us these practices so that they're there to help us discover the fullness of what it means to have a relationship with God. In other words, they're there to help us discover the fullness of who God is. And the incredible thing, as we heard last week when Julie spoke around communion, that there is no longer a blockage to us having a relationship with God anymore. There is no obstacle anymore, not even the famous S word. Is that right? Who, who knew what the S word was? Sin. Who got it wrong? Yes, a few people got it wrong. Yeah, I won't say what people thought it was. But, um, but that, the incredible thing is that sin is that, was that barrier that separated us from God. And Jesus did everything that was required to re- restore us back into relationship with God. And this is the thing. When you discover a relationship with God, no matter the ups and downs of a relationship with God, because there are ups and downs, the incredible thing you discover is that there is always something more to know about God. Isn't that right? That you, you cannot exhaust God. You can't get to that place. And if you are, then I would say there's still more to learn. You still haven't got there. But if you think you already got there, but God is inexhaustible. We will never know the fullness of who he is because he is beyond anything we could imagine, really, and conceive. God is inexhaustible. And so we always need to be striving and believing to know him in a greater way. You know, I was, I was sort of struggling with this illustration, but, but it's like the bottomless cup of coffee. You can keep going up and keep going up and getting more. I don't know if you remember when you were a kid or when I was younger, Tuesday nights was all-you-can-eat pizza night at Pizza Hut. Anyone remember that? You could eat as much as you wanted for some ridiculous price, like 10 bucks or something. But this is, is a little bit of an understanding that this is God, that you can, you can keep coming to the well and the well will never run dry. God will never run dry. You will never exhaust the, the fullness of who, is he, who he is. The, the facets of the, the diamond, there will always be another facet. And this is really important because these are why God has given us these spiritual practices so that we can continue to come back to him and discover more and more of him. We read our Bible and we discover more of God. 
we pray and we discover more of God. We do all the different things we've been talking about and we discover more of who God is. And today I want to talk to you about another spiritual practice that God has given us and as we do it, it has the power and the ability for, to, for God to reveal himself to us but also for us to become more mature in the faith. And the spiritual practice I want to talk about today is the practice of the work of the ministry. Now, let me, un- let me just underpin this by saying that when I talk about the works of the ministry, I'm not talking about us working to gain our salvation because we all know that it has been done. Jesus has done everything that is re- required for us to gain salvation. It's by his grace that we are saved, not by works, least anyone should boast. So this is not about working to get God's approval and, and to gain salvation. What I'm talking about is the works of the ministry. In other words, what God has given us to do. The role that he has given us to play. And I want to use the scripture. Steve actually gave me this scripture which confirmed to me what I'm preaching today last week during the service. And it says in Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of the ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So God has given us these gifts, pastors like me, apostles, prophets, all these things. And their, their job is to equip the saints, the children of God, to do the works of the ministry. Now I'm going to go into that much deeper, but the spiritual practice of ministry, it has the ability when done in the way that Jesus has called us to do it, to increase our knowledge of God, as this passage says. It has the power to mature us in the faith. It has the power to bring us together in unity and make us mature. But the challenge for us is to understand what the ministry that Jesus has called us to actually is. Because I think sometimes we get confused and we get off on a tangent and think ministry is to be a pastor, apostle and all those things. Ministry is a title, but ministry, the work of the ministry is far much more than that. I want to give you an illustration to help you understand this. Is that cool? I'm going to need some help. Um, It's all right, you don't have to volunteer. I'll just ask you to come out. So I'm going to ask Damien to come first, first and foremost. Damo, yes, get up there, Damo. Good job. Just don't stand too close to me. Thanks. Yes. And Steve-O, I'm going to ask you to come up as well. Who else are we going to get? I'm having a look around. Giochino. I should actually ask a lady as well. No, but you can come, Jack. As, uh, who else do we have? One more person. Emily, why don't you come up here? No, this Emily. <laughs> Go stand next to them. Stand next to them. Thanks, Emily. 
Sorry to put you with these blokes. But, but th- this is, imagine you were, and some of you might have heard me talk about this before, but I just want you to go with me on it. But imagine we were wanting to start a fire department. Like, it was, like not the church, but imagine just in, we're, we're like, this area needs a fire department, so we're going to start a vi- fire department here. And so we... We go, what do we need to start a fire department? Well, the first thing we need is a fire chief. Isn't that right? Fire chief. Damo, you're our fire chief. So Damo, his job is to make sure everything is organised, everything is done, he recruits the right people, all of that stuff. So Damo, Mr. Fire Chief, is that right? What else do you need in a fire department? Fire trucks. So who do you need to look after? You need a driver. So Steve-o. Steve is the fire truck driver, amen? So he's the one, his job is to get you to the fires as quickly as you can and safely as you can. Is that right? So you've got a fire chief, you've got a fire truck driver. What else do we need in a fire department? Firemen. You need, <laughs> we need a fireman. We need, in other words, we need, we need a firefighter or someone who knows how to use the hoses. Isn't that right? This is, this is Jack. He is, he, is, he is the fire hose man. He looks after the fire hoses. So when there's a fire to be put out, he knows how to use the hoses. And it's a beautiful thing. This is really bad. I didn't plan this. But Emily, what else do you need in a fire department? Nah. What? Yes, yes. A reset. Sorry about this, Emily. This is. Can we swap you two? So, so. Emily, Emily is the hose person, and and Jack is the receptionist. So. Here's the, but it's a very important job because when there's a fire, they have to call the fire department. He has to de- relay the message to these guys so that they can go and do their thing. Is that right? So we're pretty well. We could, there's lots of other parts, but these are the fundamentals. So remind me, what's Damien's job? All right, what's Steve-O's job? Driver. What's Emily's job? Fire hose, water, yeah, all of that stuff. And what's Jack's? You're all wrong. You're all wrong. You're all wrong. What's their job? Their job is to put out fires. They all have roles, but their job, their purpose, the reason they exist is to put out fires. So you think about it in church context, in the body of Christ context, like Damon might be our chairman of the board, but his purpose, the reason he exists, the the purpose that he exists for is to serve God. His ministry is to serve God and do what God asks. Steve may be a prophetic voice in our church, but his Ministry, that's a role that he plays, but his ministry is to serve God and do what he asks. Emily may preach the word here and teach us, 
but her ministry is to serve God and serve us as the church and to serve one another. Jack is our worship leader <laughs> and, uh, and he does a wonderful job in leading us in music and song and, and to worship God and so we can connect with God on a Sunday. But that's not his purpose. His purpose is to serve God, do what he asks, and then serve us. Isn't that right? Why don't you give these guys a hand as they go? So ministry has many different roles, has many different expressions, has many different gifts and functions. But it only has one purpose. And our one purpose is to serve God. We've talked about this time and time again, but we need to understand that God is the creator and we are his created. We need to understand that God is king and we are his subjects. We need to understand that God is the shepherd and we are his sheep. And so in that role, that he is the Lord and we are his servants. Our our Ministry, the thing that he has called us to is to serve him. And we serve him by doing what he asks. And for me, whenever I want to make that as simple as possible, Jesus said in John, not long before he was crucified, but he gave, he said to his disciples, I give you a new commandment, a new commandment, one that supersedes all the old commandments. And what was that new commandment? That you love one another as I have loved you. In, in uh, Ephesians 2.10, talks about this idea that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this is the thing. God created us to serve him. God created us to live with him. And Jesus explained this really clearly to his disciples in Matthew 20, verses 25 to 28, where he says, but Jesus called them to himself. If you know the context of this passage, it's just after John's mo- John and James' mother had gone to Jesus and said, can my, dis- my sons be at your right hand when you come into your kingdom? And there's, so there was some squabbling between the disciples about who was the greatest, sort of like who's going to be the one... That's Jesus' right-hand man. And Jesus gives him this answer. And he says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Who's he talking to? His followers. What are we? His followers. And he says, Whoever decides to become great among you, let him be your servant and whoever desires to be the first among you let him be your slave just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give and to give his life as a ransom for many so so you see in this passage Jesus is setting a foundation for us of what Christian ministry looks like this is what it should be You see, the world defines greatness by success. It defines greatness and success is defined by the amount of power you have, 
or the amount of possessions you have, the amount of prestige you hold, maybe the number of followers you have on social media and your position, if you can get that job at the top of the scale. But in God's kingdom, Jesus is saying, Our king, this kingdom is not just an alternative to the world style. This is countercultural. This is upside down. It's an upside down kingdom. In God's kingdom, it happens totally opposite to what you would expect in the world's kingdom. So your success in God's kingdom, your greatness in God's kingdom is not determined by how many people serve you. Do you get that? But rather, in God's kingdom, your greatness, your success is determined by your faithfulness to who you are serving. Jesus told that powerful parable about the, the three servants, and he gives them each a talent, each an ability, each a gift, a, a resource, one, five, one, two, and one, one. Uh, and then he leaves and tells them to get to work. And we know the story that one doubled their money and the other one doubled their money and then one buried theirs and did nothing with it. And we know that we often focus on the fact, oh, that one doubled what they had. But Jesus didn't, when the Lord returned, he didn't say, well done, good and fruitful servant. What did he say? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. And this is the important thing that we need to understand, that in God's kingdom, our ministry, as, we, as the worship so beautifully captured this morning, is about putting our attention on God, our, our Lord, our Saviour, our King, our Creator, our Shepherd, and being in a place where you say, I'm here, I'm yours, what do you want me to do for you? That's our ministry. We are to serve. Now, the word ministry in the Bible, in the Greek, is, is actually a word called, I can't even pronounce it very well, but diakonia. You got that one? Say that with me. Diakonia. So I haven't got it up on the screen for you. But guess what it means? Anyone want to hazard a guess what diakonia means in the Greek? It means servant. Simple. Servant. Or to serve in tasks. Now this is a crazy thing. Unfortunately, some 2,000 years later from when it was written, the meaning has become different to its original intention. Originally, the word diakonia is a verb. What's a verb? Yes, well done. Just like love, it's a doing word. But it's a doing word. And so this idea is that theologically, all believers did the work of the ministry. What did we read before? The apostles, pastors, all those are there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So the work of the ministry is not being a pastor. Aren't you glad about that? The work of the ministry is not that you're a prophet or an apostle or a teacher or any of those things, an evangelist. The work of the ministry is to do what God asks you to do, to serve God. This is why it talks about a priesthood of believers. You don't even, think about this for a moment, even those fivefold ministry gifts, 
you know, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Their job is to serve the people and teach them and model to the people what they're called to do. That's the reality of it. But what's happened in the modern church, unfortunately, is that word ministry has become a noun rather than a verb. So it's become a person or a title for someone. So I am Pastor Ben. You know I hate being called that. So don't start doing that. But because that is, you don't label someone according to a gift that God's given them. Do you understand that? It's just purely a role. And the, the problem is when we use ministry as a noun, so I'm worship leader or I'm chairman of the board, that's my ministry, it becomes about that person. Isn't that right? And that means all of a sudden it becomes, or oh, I can only be that person if I'm like them or I, I do what they do and, and then I can have a ministry of my own which is just not the way God created it. Ministry is the responsibility of all of us. Every one of us are called to ministry. So when we talk about the spiritual practice of ministry, it's something we all do to serve God. It's what we, or ministry is serving God. And as we serve God, we know God, we discover God, we become more like Jesus. Let me share with you just some quick points about what real ministry looks like. Real ministry is God-centered. So if, you're ser- if ministry is serving God, then you need to be with God. Isn't that right? You need to be in a place where you can hear God's voice. You need to be drawing close to God. You need to be spending time in God's word. You need to be gathering together with the saints. You need to be in places where you can experience and know God. You need to draw aside with God at home. You need to do all these things, but God needs to be your full priority, Your full, be given your full attention. Isn't that right? So if you're going to do ministry for God, it starts by being God-focused, God-centered. But the second thing we discover about real ministry, real ministry, if you know God, if you, you draw near to God and you discover the heart of God, you discover really quickly that real ministry is about people before polish. What does that mean? Real ministry... As Jesus said to us, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. How do you love as Jesus loved? You lay your life down for one another. So it's not about how flash it looks. It's not about how big your stage is. It's not about how big your church is. It's not about how nice your church looks. You do have to notice though, yesterday we planted veggies out in the veggie patch. It's very lovely. But that was the garden group's act of service and ministry to God and you. But this is the thing. It's, it's about people before polish. It's about people before programs. The programs are only a, a, a vehicle that God gives us to serve people. But that does not become before people. 
Real ministry is faithful. I already shared about that. We have to be faithful to God. We have to be faithful to doing what he asks us to do, whatever that is. Sure, he may give you a gift. Maybe your gift does involve music. Well, then be faithful in developing that gift and growing in that gift. Maybe your gift is to help in the kitchen and do the ushering and get the hospitality team happening. Then work at that gift with everything you have. Serve with all your heart and with everything in you. If it's children, serve with your heart. If it's, But at the same time, which I'll come to in a sec, is that your ministry is everywhere as well. It's not just here in church. Which brings me to the next one. Real ministry is selfless. If we're to love like Jesus loved, it means laying your life down. And that involves some selflessness. It's not about me. It's about serving God and serving others. Serving others around me as God has called me to love them. And so it does involve laying down your own life. It will cost you something, real ministry. It's not just about what you get. See, in the world's thinking, if I'm... If I'm successful, then I'm getting a gathering around me and they're they're there to serve me. No, we're here to serve God and each other. That's how God's kingdom works. Which explains the last one, real ministry happens anywhere and everywhere. So you're you're not just a minister, a servant, when you show up to church on Sundays and volunteer in kids' church or volunteer on sound, or volunteer in hospitality, or you're preaching that week. or You're, you're not just a minister then. You're a servant 24-7, 365. That's your calling. It's what God has asked us to do. And as we practice this, as we put it into practice, God reveals himself. The people we serve, in the people we serve... God reveals himself. It's incredible what God does to open your eyes as you're serving him. It's an amazing thing. But let me state that categorically, you're never not a servant of God. Does that make sense? So to bring this all together, I want to use the illustration of the body of Christ because it's, a perfect illustration of how we are called to be servants of God and one another. Who knows that in the body of Christ, the Bible explains that Jesus is the head. Isn't that right? He is the head of the church. And the church is his body. So who knows in a healthy body, there is good connection between the head, the brain, and the rest of the body. Isn't that right? people here that probably know that better than me but for you to have a healthy body there needs to be good connection between the head and the rest of the body but let's also remember that when you're talking about a body you don't talk or you're talking about a person you don't just talk about their body or their head that when a when a body and a person is healthy they are a healthy person. When there is right relationship between the head and the body, 
everything else seems to come naturally you do what you need to do the head says we need to do this today and the body follows I use this illustration of say an athlete have you ever watched a really really good athlete whether they be uh, say a, a batsman batting they look like they're just doing it in slow motion have you ever noticed that a really good sportsman they just like a good tennis player they just seem to do what everyone else finds hard to do effortlessly like imagine Damien watching Tiger Woods in his prime he's like why does it look so easy like I, I I'll confess to this I've watched sport and I've I've thought I've look I've I've thought gee that looks easy the way they play that looks so easy I can do that and then I go out and try to hit a tennis ball and it is hard it is really hard but there's this beautiful synergy between the head and the body and one great example is Usain Bolt remember he when he was running the 100 meters when he would run everyone else looked slow and or no not slow but they looked like they were trying their guts out and he just was just cruising just he was doing 100 meters in under 10 seconds but he looked like he could just run forever at that pace and it's but no one ever said when he broke records like Usain Bolt's body broke the record is that right they said Usain Bolt just broke the world record because there's no difference between his head and his body so you think about the body of Christ when we are in sync with our head when we are connected with our head Jesus when we're like running and listening to what he's saying to us and doing what he's asking us as we read his word and we obey his commands and we say yes Jesus help me love others like you loved me help help me do what you're asking me to do help me to serve people as you would want me to serve and we're in sync with him people won't go wow look at the poor church they're so great they go that church that's Jesus we're seeing Jesus in our community and we see that sometimes through things like pop-up and different things where people go there's something different about this place what is it and we can tell them it's about Jesus and this is a let's have a look at a scripture to help confirm this but Romans 12 12 3 to 5 yeah it says for by grace given to me I say to everyone among you do not think of himself or herself more highly than they ought to think but to think with sober judgment so straight away straight off the mark none of us are better than anyone else don't think of yourself better than anyone else we are all equal in God's eyes and each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function so one might be fire chief I might be exactly they don't all have the same function so we though many are one in Christ and individually members of one another so we belong to each other as well so if you succeed I succeed if you grow I grow if you're 
firing on all cylinders, then I should be cheering you on because that's only benefit to me. And individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So it doesn't mean a gift is more important. We have the responsibility to use the gifts that God has given us accordingly as God has asked. So if someone does seem to have a gift of more responsibility, that's what it is, a gift of more responsibility. So they have to use it more wisely, just like the, five, the three servants. The one might have a gift of five, two and one, but you have a responsibility to use it accordingly. I'm going to read this to you from the message because it just sort of makes it all come together in plain language. And it says here, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. How many times have we said this? It always starts with God. God is God. We are not God of our lives. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is. What is he? He is our creator. So that makes us straight away understand that we are the created. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. He is the Lord and we are his servants. And by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. So it comes first by God. And so as as his servants, Benito said this at one point in the service and in the pre-service prayer meeting, that we need to remember to submit ourselves to God and say, God, I'm here. What would you want me to do? And that's across the board. Yes, sometimes he might say, you know, join the worship team and be a part of that. And, but that's just a part of your service to God because he may, if we're in tune with him, you're doing something during the day and he may say, you know, go and visit so-and-so. Or why don't you give so-and-so a ring and just encourage them at, the, at this stage of their life, whatever. And you might discover, okay, as you do, as you are there ready to go, God uses you really incredibly. And then it goes on to say, in this way, we are like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. Isn't that right? The arm has no meaning unless it's attached to the body. If it's not attached to the body, it's a limb and it can't do anything. Is that right? The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. As a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvellously functioning parts in Christ's body, let us go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully 
comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. What's our job? To serve God and to serve each other. Our role, we might do it through many different functions or roles, but our job is to serve God and to serve each other. This is, when we do this, we start to show the world around us what Jesus looks like. Let me say this, being a servant doesn't come naturally. Our human nature, our, the way our world functions, there are so many threats to us practicing servanthood. I once read a quote um, that really spoke to me. I don't know who the author was, but I, I want to share it with you. It's very simple, but he says there, how do you know you are a servant? By the way you react when you are treated like one. The ministry God has called us to is to be his servants. A servant of God and he asks us to also serve one another. As I've said, this can be expressed in so many different ways but the attitude we carry has to be the same. The attitude of a servant. My job is not about me getting what I want. My job is about doing what God has asked me to do. My job is to benefit others, not just myself. Obviously, there's great benefit to ourselves as we serve. There's no doubt about it. But the fact is we need to, as followers of Jesus, we need to have the same attitude as he has. And what was his attitude? Philippians tells us that your attitude be this, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who? being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. This is the simple truth. That when we use the spiritual practice of ministry, the way Jesus showed us to be a servant, when we do that, it is in that space that we truly begin to discover God in another way, in a different way, in a bigger way, that we begin to discover and trust him with our lives fully. And that's exactly why this spiritual practice exists, that we might know God and become more like him as his children. Let's pray. Now Judy shared a bit earlier about be still and know that I'm God, to just be still and let him speak to us. And then Steve also talked about give God your burdens, give God those things, let him know how you're feeling, but then wait and hear what he wants to say. And I just have a sense today that God wants to remind us of our purpose our purpose is to serve him. 
Our purpose is to do what he asks us to do. This is what we exist for. This is what he brought us back into relationships. So the balance would be put back into order that he is God and we are his followers. He is the creator and we are the created. He is the Lord and we are his servants. And as we live our life this way, it doesn't matter what you go through, God will bring you to where you need to be. As we come with an attitude of servanthood, even Jesus himself took on that way of living. And yes, it involved a cross and it involved death and resurrection. But in that, it restored mankind, humankind back to God. And sometimes the things that we have to, God asks us to do might be difficult, might be hard, but it has the potential to not just transform our life, but transform the life of others. So today, as we are in that attitude of prayer, just to ask you to consider where you're at right now and consider making a commitment to servanthood again. Making a commitment to make yourself available to God to do what he would ask you to do. And maybe that commitment starts by saying, God, I make a commitment to seeking you and seeking after you more. Getting to know you more. Finding out who you are more. That's my commitment. Whatever you need to do this morning, I'd ask you to make that prayer right now. Lord God, I thank you for your word. God, I just pray, help us to take on the attitude of a servant just like you did. Not in it to, for what we get, but in it to honour you with our lives to put you in the right place in our life as our Lord and God help us to hear your voice and to know you in a deeper way help us never to be satisfied with where we're at but to always know that there's more to be discovered in you and that even in the things that we do for you you would open our eyes to the goodness of who you are. I ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.